Hi, everyone, and welcome to the WIM podcast. Women in Influencer Marketing, or WIM for short, is a first-of-its-kind exclusive networking group made up of inspirational women. This podcast is where we explore influencer marketing, advertising trends, and get real about women in business. Our mission is to network, to foster leaders within this exciting industry, and to share information to make our work stronger. That's where this podcast comes in. We'll bring you fresh perspectives on timely topics facing the industry from expert voices in the space. Find us wherever you download podcasts. And of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim.com. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, everyone. Happy November. Oh my gosh. This episode drops on November freaking 2nd. Guys, it's November. Oh my God. I don't know if you're feeling it, but I just think that it's, I think it's pretty freaking wild. There has been so much going on in terms of social media. Facebook's parent company has been renamed to Meta. I definitely want to hear your thoughts on it. I like it. I don't know if I'm in the minority. I feel like I am because the whole internet is giving shit to Meta and, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, but like, whatever, man. I think it's cool. I like it. (laughs) Um, I also think it's incredible news, huge news that every single person has been given access to a link sticker in their Instagram stories, Clubhouse. I'm listening a lot. I'm not really doing rooms there anymore. But they just updated last week that there is a link at the top of their rooms. I don't know. There's so much progress that's happening in terms of what social media can do and And I'll say it a million times. You'll probably get tired of hearing me say it, but I think it's all due to TikTok. All of it. All of it. I think that TikTok has come in. It's like the new kid on the block who sat at the popular kids table and pissed everybody off. I think it's freaking fantastic. It lit a fire under everybody's ass when everyone was incredibly complacent for the longest time. So I'm feeling it. Let me know your thoughts. This week's episode is with none other than Courtney Canfield. And if you are involved with WIM, you have absolutely seen her around. She's got this incredible, interesting story that she's both on the influencer side as a pet influencer, and she's got two pet accounts, y'all, not even just one. And she works on the other side, hiring influencers all the time. She's also a freelancer, which is a topic of conversation we've been chatting about. Anyway, she, uh, she's got such valuable insight today. So you're in for a real treat. A couple notes before we dive into it. Make sure to RSVP. We've got an incredible event coming up later this month in November. It's called What You Need to Know About YouTube Shorts. Directly from the source, guys, we have YouTube coming for a second time to teach a masterclass with us. They are incredible. You are not going to want to miss this one. Tickets are $35 for guests. And of course, they're always free for members. So go to imwim.com slash events to sign up. All right, guys, have a wonderful rest of your day. Listen and enjoy. And as always, a review is so, so, so appreciated. So if you like what you hear, leave us a review. It helps us get seen. Thanks, guys, and uh, enjoy. So I am super grateful to have Miss Courtney Camfield on our podcast today. Um, so first and foremost, welcome. How's it going? It's good. Thanks so much for having me, Jesse. This has been awesome. I'm so excited to be on here. We're in for a treat because I think it's so cool that not only are you on the influencer marketing side, but like you are doing it 
for real as a creator because you've got not one but two pet accounts <laughs> as a pet yes. influencer. And I just think that's the coolest thing on like so many levels, <laughs> right? It's a little unconventional. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah, totally. I first of all, I was like, obviously scrolling through both accounts. We will link them in the show notes so you can take a peek yourself. Um, they're adorable. You've got a cat and a dog, just mm -hmm. like me. We have that in common. Um, Perfect pair. They're the, the precious pair. Um, and, you know, you're you're doing so much. I find it so cool that you are so active on social media. Um, I've just noticed that. So first and foremost, before we sort of jump into this whole conversation about how that work informs the work that you do as an influencer marketer. Just tell everybody watching, if you don't mind, like a little bit about your professional background and how you even got to where you are today. Oh God, that is such a long story. So I'm going to try to give you the short version. <laughs> um, I have a really unconventional kind of uh, path into influencer marketing, but I feel like that's pretty common across the industry, which is kind of cool. I actually, I got started in social media to start with because of my dog primarily. So I was doing some freelancing before that and I was working in a law office, very strange like kind of career for me that did not work out. Um, and I started, uh, I got a puppy and I started social media for my dog. It was Facebook primarily back then. It was 2012, way back in the day, right? Um, and I left the job at the law office and I was doing freelancing more or less full time. And I was eventually hired by a local company to do their social media and run their celebrity ambassador program because of my dog's social media, not because of the freelance work that I had done, but because my dog had 2000 followers on Facebook and the guy who hired me thought that was really impressive. So thank God for Rambo for that. <laughs> but um, my career just kind of evolved from there. So I went from working in-house on the brand side to working in an agency for a time. Um, I had, had a lot of really great experience working at a local agency, Pace Communications here in Greensboro, running their influencer programs. Actually, they had never done influencer programs before I'd come to work with them because I had experience as a creator. They asked me to create the influencer program. I was like, sure. <laughs> Yeah, so running their influencer programs, doing social media for them, doing some freelancing at the same time. And this is over the course of like 10 years. So I'm really trying to condense it. Um, working at a uh, primarily influencer marketing agency most recently and now doing um, freelancing. So it's been kind of like a weird sort of path, but it's definitely been a lot of fun. And the experience that I've gained, not just on the brand side, but also on the agency side has helped not just in my career, but also in my work as an influencer. Like, it's so funny to think that <laughs> before I went to an agency, I didn't know what a deck was, <laughs> which is kind of funny. But now, you know, obviously everyone knows what a deck is. But when I was getting emails from brands as an influencer saying, hey, look at this deck, I'd be like, what? Look at this, what? <laughs> Oh, you mean a PowerPoint? But I, but it's really helped to inform me as a creator, which has been really great. And I just, I love how two sides of my life, like really important sides of my life, two different sides come to converge in the middle. And they, you know, my understanding as a creator, working with brands helps me, you know, um, in my freelance job and, you know, finding creators or interacting with them or understanding like, what kind of content they will and won't create. So that's the short of it. 
<laughs> yeah, and look, it's, I'm asking you to condense like, you know, 10 years worth of experience into a summary. So I, I think it's, uh, you did a great job and I'm, we're going to dive into it even more. I would love to hear like on the creative side, because I'm fascinated by that. Like, tell me a little bit about what you feel like your biggest strengths are on the creative side as an influencer, as a pet influencer mama. <laughs> oh my gosh, that has changed a lot over the years. So um, it's funny, I started out taking pictures of my dog on my Blackberry. Okay, so like, do you remember the Crackberries with the keyboards? Oh, oh yeah, I remember. Was, That's amazing. Mine was, oh, I still have it somewhere in my house. But um, I was taking pictures of my dog on my Blackberry. So my point being, photos were awful. It looked like they were taken with a calculator. Like it just, they were just so bad. Um, so my, my aesthetic has definitely improved. And that's something that I take the most pride in most recently, um, getting a new camera, learning some more editing techniques, that sort of thing, as well as some videography, which is really great. But I think the thing that is the most, I, I don't want to say like the most unique because it doesn't, I'm not special because of this, but the thing that I work the hardest on and the reason why people do follow my accounts especially my Facebook account because that's where we have the most followers which is pretty odd um, in the influencer space but um, is the storytelling that we have there so I've I've essentially crafted the story of Rambo living you know his daily life through his little adventures or whatever and this is what people come to follow us for like we they don't come to like look at pictures of him saying, oh, I love my toy today or something stupid. Like they want to hear a story from his perspective. And I've always, I've always wanted to write children's books. So I guess this is kind of like, you know, a bit of like that, I guess. So I've just consistently added to the story over time, literally over nine years. <laughs> um, and it's just grown and grown and grown. And I have followers on our Facebook page um, who have been with us since the beginning and they remember when Rambo got his purple toy elephant, for example, like that he brought to grandma's house when he went to grandma's house for Thanksgiving. And like the, it's the sticks in their head. And, you know, it sounds a little wonky, um, but it's just, you know, kind of like how you binge watch your favorite Netflix show. And then you start to think more and more about the storyline. I think it's kind of like that for them. I just love adding to a storyline and He's got a little bit of a sassy personality and, you know, he refers to me as the human. No one knows what I look like. Um, so if they watch this, they'll know. I've posted a few things on his Instagram page about uh, my experience working with influencers and adding, you know, giving some advice for pet creators and whatnot. But people still don't know what I look like. They don't really know much about me. And that's kind of how I want to keep it simply because, I think that removing the human from the creative and the storyline, it just makes it more believable, even though we all know that a dog isn't, you know, taking a selfie and typing on social media. But um, yeah, I would say to long, you know, answer to your question, but it's definitely the storyline that I think makes us most unique that I love the most. Yeah, no, that's so interesting. I love that so much. And like, that's a real legitimate reason to stick around for so many years, right? I mean, when I think of like, how, why would a pet influencer have such longevity? And like, what's a, a good recipe for that? And like, yeah, it's a storyline. So I, I love that. That's really, really fascinating. And like, really cool to have that self-awareness of like, that's sort of your secret sauce, right? Yeah. Um, 
And so what would you say, conversely, is your strongest point as an influencer marketer and a freelancer in the industry? I would say the way that I understand how to communicate with influencers, um, because not only am I one, you know, a creator, influencer, whatever you want to call it, um, but I have a lot of friends who are as well. So I've, you know, pulled on their experience and their understanding of working with brands, as well as myself and my own understanding. And that really helps me when I'm reaching out to influencers or negotiating with their talent managers, really understanding like they may have said something this way, but this is actually what's going on behind the scenes. Like this is actually what they're thinking or this is what they could be struggling with. Like if they're working a full-time job at the same time, like I can't think, you know, oh, well, they have to put this, you know, as a priority because I have to have a little bit of understanding that they are working a full-time job. They have two kids or whatever, and they're trying to work on this campaign. You know, giving a little grace is really important, but also understanding where you can draw that line and be like, you know, no, this is a non-negotiable or whatever. So I think that helps a lot. And I also think like looking for particular influencers, like that's something like influencer discovery is one of the things that I just, I do on my own free time. It's a little nerdy, but um, I love finding new creators to follow that are really unique. Maybe they haven't been discovered yet, really, you know, not a ton of followers, but um, looking for people with a really creative, unique style that you don't see a lot of or creators who stick to a unique style despite not getting a lot of likes, despite not getting a ton of new followers. And they're like really committed to what they're doing. I think that that can be just really interesting. And um, I would say that's something that I definitely look for. I, I love that you're bringing that up. I, I feel, first of all, if there are any influencers watching or listening to this, like I feel like they should know that like people still get excited to find new influencers, right? Like yes. they're just unique and special in their own right. And like, you know, you're not, and you work in influencer marketing and like you're not so fixated on the numbers all the time, right? You're mm-hmm. like, they may not get the same amount of followers or engagements or whatever, but like there's something special about them and you're able to sort of identify that. Hey guys, so we need to pause for a second because I have to tell you about the most incredible, beautiful, and inventive product of 2021. I'm actually not exaggerating. It's called Work Robe. Work Robe. Work Robe, guys. (laughs) You can now work in your robe, but on the top, you look professional. It's the most brilliant idea ever. And I'm honestly just mad because I didn't think of it myself. The woman who did think of it herself, though, is actually a member of WIM. Her name is Courtney Spritzer of Social Fly, and she invented the most brilliant product ever, y'all. I got the blouse robe in black. It came so quick and it's beautiful. It's soft and it looks professional on top. So I feel comfy and confident all day long on all of these stinking Zoom calls. And the best part about it for you guys, I got you guys a discount. So just head to myworkrobe.com slash IamWim15. That's IamWim15, double I-M-15, and you'll get 15% off your order. I'd probably recommend getting a couple of them so you don't feel like you're wearing the same thing on camera every day. (laughs) 
I personally, I got the blouse robe. I love the cowl neck robe as well. Um, there's a button down robe too. It's a little bit more formal, not quite me. The other ones are a little more casual and trendy and incredibly soft and luxe. All right, again, it's myworkrobe.com slash IamWim15. Go buy it. You know you want to. Are those conversations that you're sort of also having with brands saying like this person is special and worth working with, even though they don't have XYZ numbers or those people that you're just following personally and you're like, man, like brands just, they need the numbers too. Yeah, no, I think it's a little bit of a balance because when you're talking with a brand about um, putting together a list of influencers for your campaign, you want the numbers as well as the content, right? Because it's not just like they're going to post for us, but we want to be able to have the uses rights right to some extent to be able to repost the content. And how good is the content? I mean, you could be an influencer. I remember working on one campaign several years ago, and we had influencers with 300,000 followers on Instagram, and yet their content was so bad. <laughs> and I won't say who it is or what campaign or whatever, but we were working with them because of the numbers, but the content itself, when you go to repost it, you're like, this is actually the worst photo I've ever seen. Like, was this taken with a toaster? I don't know. Like, <laughs> so, um, you know, it's, it's a balance between the numbers and the reuse of content and the content that like would look the best on the brand channels, as well as the content that is the most unique that would, you know, catch someone's eye in the feed as an ad or something, you know? So I think that you have to have a balance of both. And the brands that I've worked with have all been very understanding of that, which is really, I'm very lucky <laughs> for that. But um, yeah, it's definitely, you have to like be very careful about how you communicate that, I guess you would say. Yeah, no, for sure. I think, but I think you bring up a really, really valid point that not enough people think about, which is that, you know, there are so many different use cases for that content. There are way too few people who will get incredible content and they don't even reuse it. They don't like, they don't, they don't do anything with it. It's like the most simplistic way of working with influencers, which is I'm just going to hire an influencer, have them post it on their channel you know, negotiate for all these usage rights and whitelisting rights and all these things, but don't use it anywhere. And yeah. like, that is such an important missing piece. Talk to us a little bit about maybe some like success stories, perhaps that you've seen, or just people who have, you know, who've been really thoughtful about those other sort of ways to utilize influencer content and like how people can think of that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So it's funny you say that because um, when I started working at the agency that's local here in Greensboro, I started understanding, you know, about repurposing everything. Like if you create a YouTube video, like you want to cut that up and like repurpose it into, you know, Facebook videos or ads or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and when I was uh, working with brands, I was always so surprised when I wouldn't see them reposting my content. Like I'd go back to the contract, be like, okay, I know that I signed you know, I, I signed this and they have the rights to reuse my content for, it was usually in perpetuity, which is, I know we all know that's a big red flag now, but, <laughs> but back then it was like 2015, 2016. It was like, oh, I, I was expecting them to repost me because a repost would actually benefit me back then when reposts actually did anything for your followers. But now, of course, we know that isn't the case, but it was always very strange when I would see, like I was working with T-Mobile at one point. 
and they never reposted. I, I sent an email. I was like, why aren't you guys reposting this? Like, oh, we didn't realize we should. I was like, do I, I, what? <laughs> You're an agency. <laughs> but yeah, so um, to give, to answer your question, there was um, one brand, the first brand that always comes to mind is a, a brand, um, and I don't know if I should say it or not, but it's a flooring brand, a national flooring brand. And we were running campaigns for it, um, this brand, when I was working at Pace. And we ran a ton of different campaigns. And a lot of them were actually pet-focused campaigns, which is probably why it sticks out to me, because it was so much fun. Um, and I got to work with pet influencers and literally look at pets on Instagram all day. But um, the way that they were repurposing the content, of course, the contract was very extensive. But we made sure that every piece of content that the influencers created, we looked at it and, of course, like did it align with the influencer's aesthetic. That was very important to us, but also with our aesthetic and, of course, selecting influencers that would be, you know, good for our aesthetic was really important. And then incorporating that into the social content. So not only was I running <laughs> the influencer campaign, I was also running their social media. So that helps a lot. But I think that when those two things are siloed in an agency or even in separate agencies, that can be something that is really difficult for people to understand that you can cross over and that, you know, you should be tagging someone or here is their Instagram handle to tag them. Um, and yeah, this brand was so, we were so good at repurposing this content. I, and I want to say we, because it was like the entire agency. It wasn't just me. Um, that we actually co-created some content with influencers, which was a lot of fun. So we sent a um, a uh, production team of like six or seven people to the influencers' houses. We refloored their homes. Um, these are pet influencers again. So people are like surprised to hear that pet influencers are treated like this. But um, they were a pretty big deal. They had, uh, let's see, I think this pet influencer has like 100,000 followers on Facebook, 330,000 on Instagram. Not sure if they're on YouTube, but um, they were creating their own content for their own ch channels and it was getting a lot of you know views and whatever. But sending this crew to their house to film the process, that was just a huge content opportunity, not just for them, but also for us. And I think the co-creation of content is always a really cool kind of thing if you can make it happen. So. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's really smart. There's even different ways that like the content can look and can feel and, you know, you can have them more as like the talent versus them as the creative and the talent. Like there's so many different options. I'm always frustrated with people who are very stuck in their ways, right? Like we just, <laughs> I, I, I'll humanize it. I think that part of it is because we're trying to do this at scale and we're trying to like perfect it and we're sort of in the hamster wheel. But in doing so, we get incredibly stuck in our ways. We're just rinse and repeating the same types of partnerships. And I think it was really exciting towards the beginning of influencer marketing or maybe like somewhat in the middle, maybe uh, earlier days. More people were pushing boundaries, right? Like more people were experimenting. And I just don't feel like that these days. I feel like, you know, people are still even hesitant of going on TikTok. Like, it, it's like so silly to me. Like, what are some pet peeves of yours that you're seeing that like, if you could sort of push people out of their comfort zones in terms mm -hmm. of how to implement partnerships with influencers, like, what would you tell them? 
Oh, pet peeves. Okay, a few come to mind. <laughs> I would say so. And these are based off of examples of campaigns that I've recently worked on. So I have a lot more, you know, but <laughs> um, this one campaign that I worked on a few months ago um, really highlighted an issue that I had with not just the agency that was running the campaign, but the brand itself and their very strict guidelines. Like they, they gave me a brief and then they kept adding on to it and adding on to it. And this was while I was creating the content. And after I'd created the content, I had to go back and recreate the content over and over again. I think I did it three times and it was just so frustrating. And there, you know, there was a point where I was like, is this even worth it anymore? But it was a huge payout. And I was like, you know what? I can't, I can't not do this. Like this is a smart financial decision, but the brands that just, they don't know what they want and that they're very strict with their guidelines. So it's like, and, and I understand like some industries are very heavily regulated. This was a home cleaning, home care kind of product. So obviously very regulated because there are chemicals in it. <laughs> But honestly, it got to a point where I was like, I literally, I was told exactly how to take the photo and what to do with it. And I was like, I, there's no creativity in this at all. It's sucking the life out of me. I think I spent 40 or 50 hours on that campaign alone. And it came out to me, if I had you know, charged an hourly rate, I was making way less than I would you know, as a freelancer, which at some point, you're like, is this even worth it? But it was a good experience, <laughs> you know, as you can look back on anything that wasn't, didn't go your way. You can say it was a good experience and you learn from it and um, get a really good understanding of what those indicators are of brands that come to you and, you know, whether or not you need to know whether or not they're going to be really strict with their guidelines like this one was, or if they don't have their shit together, excuse my French, if they don't have their shit together and if they have very strict guidelines, you'll know pretty much in the beginning because that brief will be really, you know, kind of a, a red flag. And that that can be really frustrating. Um, just, I mean, if you don't know what you want to begin with, that can be very frustrating. But I think that the brands that don't know what they want to begin with and they want you to take the creative reins, that's a whole different story, right? So it's, it's not like, oh, we are going to create content. I don't know what you want. And then, oh, now they know what they want sort of thing. It's you create content. Oh, this is amazing. We love going in this direction. So that's a totally different thing. And I've worked with brands that they don't know what they want. They're like, but you're the expert here. And I'm like, damn right. I'm the expert. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I think I, yeah, and then damn right. You are the expert and it's awesome. <laughs> and you should have said, and you should say that every time, right? When someone's like, you're the expert. You're like, damn right. I'm gonna have like a little science. In the um, however, here's a thing that I think is like, you know, we run into these scenarios, right? Where it's like, oh, like now if I experience that again, I will know how to react. Like I will know how to take care of that a little bit better because I learned my lesson, right? So like, I don't know, let's say somebody today is listening to this and they get a crazy looking brief or, you know, they're with the, the like has like no direction. They're just, and they ask and they're like, oh, go forth and create whatever. Like, is there anything that you would suggest that an influencer says to a brand if that's a scenario they find themselves in? Sure. Um, I always say, ask as many questions as you can and literally like sit down and think about your past campaigns. And I assume that someone who would be given like free reign in this, 
instance would have worked with other brands. So think about your experience with other brands, what it's been like, you know, what issues you've run into, like you've learned things up until this point that you can apply to this, whether or not you feel like you're in, you know, over your head or not. Um, so just take a minute and step back. Cause sometimes I think cre as creators, we can get like really wrapped up in this. Oh, I, I don't know this industry. Like I'm just a creator, like <laughs> tech creators, especially because, um, that's a whole different thing, but you know, we started out primarily as hobbyists, you know, doing this for fun. No one started out doing this for money. Um, and like, thinking of ourselves that way, like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I should ask. Yes, you do. If you've done this, if you even if you've worked with brands on a product exchange basis, you know what questions that you should ask. No, you're not going to know every question that you should ask. And I, I say to my friends who come to me asking like, oh, what should I do in this instance or this one? Like, I can give you advice, but honestly, the best teacher is experience. So, um, I mean, I've been doing this, I think my first campaign that I worked on was in 2015 and I've been doing this for since then. And I still ran into this issue this past summer with this one brand that I was talking about. So, I mean, you're still going to run into issues, but just like, don't, you know, <laughs> don't just trash that experience and forget about it. It's a really great thing to like, sit down and think about what could I have done differently? And when this happens again, because it will happen again, unless like something really, really random, I don't, I can't even think of an example, but it, it will happen again. And you want to be able to be prepared for it, or at least like know that you need to negotiate more up front and ask for, ask more questions up front and ask for more guidelines up front versus just letting it kind of go and hoping for the best. Yeah. I think it's like getting things in writing, asking the, you know, follow-up questions, like don't be afraid, you know, influencers are sometimes like, Oh, I'm like, it's my, it's, you know, it's my biggest partnership yet. Or, you know, I don't want to say the wrong thing or like whatever the reason is that they give themselves. But I, I, I would ask you as the person who is also on the other end of that, like, how would, how do you feel when influencers ask you questions? Do you feel bothered, burdened? Like, how do you handle it when you get a ton of questions? Is there too many questions? Like, is there a format in which they should ask them? Like, what are your, what's your perspective from that side of the coin? Oh, so the questions, I, I rarely get questions that aren't answered in emails that I've already sent, the contract that I've already sent them, or the brief that I've already sent them. And you can probably tell, but it's very annoying. <laughs> and I mean, I understand asking clarifying questions, but if you're asking me how many stories you need to do, well, girl, that, that is in your contract. Look at your contract. I, I, I take a lot of pride in being able to create materials that are very accurate because I understand it. Like I literally will print out a contract and highlight things and then keep it in a notebook so I can refer to it later. So I don't ask stupid questions, but there is such a thing as a stupid question. And the stupid question is the thing that's already answered in your materials. You know, if we had nothing else to do all day, but answer questions, sure. Send, send an email asking me what's in the contract, even though you can read it. But most of the people who are running influencer campaigns, at least in my experience, are also running social media for the brand or also running influencer campaigns for other brands at the agency that they work for. You know, maybe this is only a 30% of their time sort of thing and they have to spend it answering the question that's already answered in the contract. Like, do not do that. 
But there are some influencers who come to me with really smart questions. And those are the people where I'm like, okay, wait, hold on, everyone stop. We have a really good question here. And I think that we need to think about this because this person could have actually helped us in the ideation process, right? Because this is such a good question. So I think that those are the influencers that really think about you know, what they're given and then what to ask you about whatever it is, whether it's a creative process or whatever. Um, those are the influencers that you also want to continue working with. You don't want to work with influencers that <laughs> just keep asking you what's in the brief. Like, <laughs> so, um, yeah. <laughs> and I, and I would say, doesn't that go, that probably goes for talent managers as well. Mm -hmm. Like whoever is speaking to you yes. on behalf of the influencer, but like, I love that you say that, right. It sounds like your bar is high. Your standards are high as they should be, you know, like don't play stupid, right. As an influencer, like, like been they have a job, like their yes. job is to be familiar with materials and to create the content as best they can. If they can't fulfill those job requirements, then it's like working with someone who's half-assing at their job, like their full-time job. Like, come on, if you're going to do this, do it right. I mean, as best as you can. Like, if you don't have the experience, just do the best that you can and gain the experience. Some people are like, oh, I just said I've never done this before. Well, just do what you can. Like, you you know that you got a contract, you should read it. you got to read anything that you get that's written, like in an email or in a document read it and be very familiar with it because that is usually where influencers get the most tripped up. But I love also, you know, by the same token, you're like, but if so, if there is a question that you have and you ask it, like that will not only like, I mean, it certainly won't be a burden or a bad thing because mm -hmm. what you're saying is actually the converse. You're like, actually a really smart question. We might've all missed it. There might be mm -hmm. something really, really relevant that you bring up that we're like, oh, we, we should yeah. address that. That's a great question. So like, just read all your materials, guys. Like figure <laughs> out what's there. Use your brain, get organized. Everybody learns differently. I'm mm -hmm. the first one to say it. Like you print stuff out. I hate paper. <laughs> like you highlight things. I also like, oh, I've got like six different color highlighters and I've got the colored pens and yeah. But I mean, like, I guess I feel like influencers get so tripped up because they're so overwhelmed with the, like the, the, the idea of getting a job and being, you know, hired to work on this campaign or whatever it is. And then they forget the key components that they have in their control because they feel out of control because they're, you know, not able to really control what the situation is or whatever. But the key components in their control are being able to understand the content of the contract and the brief and then being able to process that and then ask the questions that they need. Just use your brain, guys. Use your brain, yep. but like get yourself organized, though. I do think that that makes a huge difference, whether it's like, look, whether you're an influencer or you work for a big agency or you're a freelancer as well, like yourself, like our organization to the way that you need it done is actually incredibly important. And I would love now to pivot a little bit more and talk to your experience as a freelancer, because I think that that is like, I don't know, man. I am so impressed by people who are just like out there owning their own businesses, freelancing, taking projects. I My assumption is that it allows you freedom, but with that freedom also could be a bit scary. Where's my next job coming from? Building relationships. Like it's very brave and bold of you um, to freelance in this industry. 
first of all, I want to hear you maybe share with others who have been contemplating making that move to become a freelancer. What would you tell them? All right, guys. So as a special treat and a big thank you for being an avid listener to this podcast, I'm offering you 10% off of a VIP level membership to Wims Collective. That's right, guys. I rarely offer promos on our membership, but I am offering it to our podcast listeners because you are so special to me. You show up on a weekly basis and share these podcast episodes, and I am so grateful for you. So this membership, guys, it's offering you casting resources, networking, jobs, recruitment, mentorship, the list goes on and on. But if you don't believe me or you want to hear from somebody else, check out all the testimonials that are on our website. All you have to do is go to IamWim.com and use promo code PODCAST2021. That's going to get you 10% off of a VIP level WIM collective membership. I am so grateful for you guys. Join today. It's going to be the best professional decision you've ever made. All right, guys. So go do that, but definitely keep listening to this episode because it's awesome. I would tell them that if you feel like you want to be in control of your time to the extent of where like you rely on you and that is the only thing that really comes into play when it comes into like keeping a job or like your success or, you know, moving up in the world or whatever it is, that's what you want. And if you like that control, and I wouldn't say you have to be a control freak for it. You just have to have a different kind of idea of what you want work to be. Right. Um, I was in the situation most recently where I was working for a company and I just wasn't in love with the way that we did things. I wasn't in love with the culture. It was very toxic. And if you want to be in control of the kind of environment that you're in, I think that's a huge discussion that we're having right now is, you know, mental health in the workplace and what people will and won't put up with anymore. And if you want to be the person that is telling you when and where to get out of bed <laughs> and when you're going to be working, when you're not going to be working, um, and to really determine those boundaries for yourself around your own work style, I think that that, I mean, in this industry, there's so many opportunities to freelance. Like there are endless number of opportunities. Like if you enter this with a abundance mindset, and that sounds like all woo wooey, it will not disappoint you. Um, and if you enter this industry as a freelancer with a, you know, uh, a mindset of wanting to learn, not just about, you know, the industry and how to be better at your job or whatever, but learn about the brands, learn about the verticals that like work best for you. Like maybe you should be in the beauty and hair care space versus the pet space or something like, and then you can niche down and then really find the clients that are best for you. Um, and really to learn about yourself as a professional, because I think like I keep saying, like this, this discussion is happening a lot more in terms of like, what do I want my life outside of my career to be like? And what do I want my life inside of my career to be like? You know, you know, they can be separate things. So um, how far do you want to go and how far do you want to take that? So I don't know. I think that it's just really important to understand that when you're a freelancer, you really are in control. But that's also can be scary for some people. Like not everyone needs to freelance. Not everyone needs to leave their job if they're happy 
at their job and they like clocking in and clocking out and then being able to leave their job at their job if that's what they're doing because if that they're not you know maybe like boundaries but um <laughs> if they're able to do there's nothing wrong with that like you don't have to switch over to being a freelancer like i was talking with a friend recently um and she works in um uh healthcare government something i couldn't even tell you what she does but she she was telling me um that uh, she she wanted to make some money on the side. And I was talking to her, I was like, you know, you don't have to do that. Like she's making a really great salary at her current job. She's employed by the government. Um, and she's like, well, maybe I should start a blog. Maybe I should start freelancing. It's like, what would you freelance? And she's like, I don't even know. I just feel like everyone else is doing it. Everyone else, it seems like everyone else is doing it. Like if you scroll through TikTok, everyone is like, quit your job, become a freelancer. But the truth is that if you're happy with where you are, you should stay there because that's what matters. <laughs> what so, about somebody who's like curious about the other side though? How do they figure out that? Next yeah. Step? Like, do they stay? Do they go? Like, how do they determine what's best for them? What is it really like on the other side? Yeah, I would say try it out. Um, so I have a fun little story about how I actually started as a freelancer even before I had my dog back in uh was it 2011 I think um so I was working at a law office and I, I graduated with a degree in Spanish thinking that I would like translate Spanish for the rest of my life I don't know that was a really interesting like life choice but um I was working at a law office completely miserable and for some reason I got it into my head that I was like I understand social media so well and I'm seeing all these local businesses that aren't doing it. And by social media, I mean, I think it was Facebook and Twitter, right? <laughs> so I understand how to use these platforms like as myself. I had never done it for a business, I, but I was able to observe what was going on. And I was like, you know, I feel like I can help businesses out with this. I don't know. I, I don't do marketing. I, I don't know where I got just, yeah, go back and ask myself where I got this idea. But the point is, is that I um, I got this idea to just like try it out. So I posted on LinkedIn and some local um, community business community groups or whatever. Hey, I'm looking to help out a business for free for six weeks with their social media. And at the time, like no one knew like what to do, of course. Um, I'm taking proposals. So I kind of put the, the ball in my court. And I had businesses literally reach out to me with their proposal of how, like, why I should work with them for six weeks to help them with their social media. And eventually I actually got a paying client, client out of that. But the point is here is that if you really want to get the best experience possible, sometimes you have to do it for free. And sometimes you have to, like, put yourself out there in a way that you wouldn't really expect. You have to get creative. So maybe that wouldn't be the best way to go about it today. I honestly don't know. I honestly, I would do that. Like if you're new to the space and like the best way to get experience is for free, working for free, even though they say don't work for free. You know what? Sometimes working for free is the best way to get in, you know, your foot in the door. So, um, but yeah, I would say just give it a try. And if you don't like it, that's okay. Like just perform these experiments, so to speak and give it a try. And if you don't like it, then you've still learned something, right? So not everything is like 
you know, if you fail, quote unquote, you're set back for any reason. No, I think that's brilliant. I mean, look, when I like when I speak with like younger, like my cousin is like 21. And when I speak with her or like other college students, like I used to run internship programs and stuff at like, you know, when I was at different companies and things like that. And, you know, I always tell young women, specifically young men as well, of course, but like, go and just try things like that is the prime time. Like take as many internships as you can diversify them. Don't even make them in the same like sector, like, you know, try everything that you can because that's the best way to learn. And, and then like evaluate really truly evaluate after each one. But you know, the worst thing that can happen to be honest is like, they all just inform the other. So like, you don't like it, but it's absolutely, there's always a through line in where you end up. Everybody's so many more people's paths these days are super windy, curvy, windy all over the place. Like, you know, it's, it's more common than not. Nobody really grows up. Like I was a theater major and it like from like, my, my windy road there was like, do I want to be musical theater or like acting only? Like that so was my thing then though. That's awesome. That's a cool, like, <laughs> right. But I absolutely see a through line. We posted something on our fit on our, our Instagram about I I I was like, you know, any other people were like in yearbook or yearbook editors that can relate. Like now I work in influencer marketing and so many people are like, I feel seen. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel seen. And I was like, we all have our own paths. Influencer marketing didn't like the idea that you didn't even like, work in it didn't yeah. even exist but like like there is there's always a through line between what your beginning is and where you presently are and like to use it and to try multiple things I think that's great freelancing I, I love that you're saying that like look guys like it may seem sexy. It may seem like next day thing. And like people, oh my God, you're a freelancer. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily for everybody. And like, I love that you're saying like, that is fine. Like that's a lot of people don't talk about that enough that it's not for everybody. You don't have to be hustling 24 seven. Like, come on, like mental health seems to be the trend now. Let's keep it the trend because Hustling 24-7 isn't good for you. Like, you need to be able to sleep. You need to be able to spend time with your family. And if freelancing takes time away from that and you're happy in your current job or if you feel like working for someone else is what will make you happy and content, like, happy is kind of like a lofty goal. Like, let's say content. If it will make you content and you will feel that way for most of, you know, the time you're working there, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, if you want to, you know, get your creative juices flowing in another way, like you could try to become a creator, like that's kind of hard now, but, or you could just start like doing art or whatever it is. Like some people are like, oh, I should freelance because I like don't get to be creative enough at work. Well, maybe you can try to, you know, jump into another position at work that has you being more creative or take on projects there. Like there are a lot of different opportunities and a lot of people don't realize that you can create an opportunity for yourself within your current situation or outside of your current situation. Like you can volunteer for things that aren't listed, you know, for, or whatever, or, you know, you were saying 
um, do all sorts of different internships. Even if there isn't an internship posted, ask, like ask if you can help them with whatever it is. Uh, you know, it's just, there are so many things that you can do if you just think about what you could be interested in and then just ask someone. You're going to get no's, but you're going to get yeses like I did. And I ended up finding the best client, a paying client out of that whole freebie, I'll work for you for six weeks thing. And she is still my mentor to this day. Like she's still the most amazing person. And I, yeah. So, I mean, you just don't know what, like jumping out of your comfort zone and just asking for what you want, you know? I, I love that. I don't know about you. I like... I've known people in my life who like, I feel like they have like a spoon in there, like a golden spoon in their mouth. And like, they just find their way to incredible opportunities. I literally wasn't given anything, anything. I like, like I had to work my ass off for absolutely everything. But like, I honestly, I wouldn't want it any other way. Like I'm happy, I'm just content, happy about that because it showed me that like, if I want something, like, I don't have to be dependent on anybody else to give it to me. Yeah. It's exactly what you're saying. Like, and, and like, I appreciate that you're saying that now because I feel like some people don't even know that that's a possibility, right? Mm -hmm. They're like, but like, I could create my own thing. Like, yeah. but, but I, all I know is that like there are jobs listed and I apply to them and mm -hmm. you know, they're like, there's that specific job title. What am I going to create my own thing? And you're like, why not? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's how jobs get created to start. Like, I mean, where else are they? All the problems. Solve the problem. And someone yeah. will be like, yes, please. Thank you. They're, they're is created by the people who wear multiple hats at the agency or but the people who are like, I want to try my hand at graphic design and, you know, using Canva or whatever it is. Like, that's how they're created. You just have to try. You have to be okay to like with failing. Um, but not necessarily, it's not really failing if you're learning from it, blah, blah, blah. Right. But seriously, like that's actually the truth. Um, if you're just trying things out because who the heck cares if you fail, like you're just going to keep doing stuff. <laughs> I don't know what else to say, you know? It's true. It's true. I, I love that we're talking about this. So thank you for bringing it up. I, I hope people like really take this in too, because like, also you just need like one yes. In a lot of instances. And that opens up so many doors for you. Like one of those people to give you an opportunity and then you learn from it and that builds uh, your credibility that bring that builds your your ability to build a deck for yourself mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know like you know what it is a deck and then you learn what a deck is and then you know you create all these assets and then like the rest is history it all builds on itself yeah. so you have to like put together that first little piece like that first little ball of yep. snow for it to snowball to create all the other things and you can, you know, move direction too. Exactly. And I, I would say, you know, a lot of people in this industry, I talk to them and I feel like everyone has their five-year plan. So this is another thing that I talk a lot about with friends and whoever else will listen to me. But, um, you know, I never had a five-year plan. I still don't. And people are like, what? You don't know where you want to be in five years? I'm like, no, I know where how I want to feel in five years. I know what kind of like, living space I want to be. I know I want to be content and I know I, 
all these other things, but I don't know where I'm going to be in five years. And I think that having that really rigid five-year, 10-year outlook can sometimes limit people's opportunities because they're like, oh, well, this doesn't align with like, you know, where I'm trying to go. Well, maybe where you're trying to go isn't necessarily where you need to go. Like, think about the feeling that you want to have in five or 10 years. Like, will freelancing get you there? Will working at your current job get you there? You know, so I think that that's another thing to keep in mind is that, you know, having everything planned out can sometimes um, be the thing that you need to work on the most first. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes I, I, I definitely hear that. Given that you don't want to necessarily plan out the next five years, Mm -hmm. what do you want to feel? Oh man. Um, I was just journaling about this recently and that sounds so nerdy, but, um, I of course want to feel content with what I'm doing, but I also want to feel useful and like I'm helping helping people. That's so like generic, but specifically um, helping creators. That's something that I'm trying to kind of pivot to a little bit. Um, I'm not really sure how to get there at this point, but I'm working on it. Um, But helping other creators, especially people in the pet space who, you know, don't have the experience that the quote unquote human creators might have, or by, you know, being taken seriously by brands and whatever. Um, But I want to be a be helpful and be able to use the information that I've learned through not just working in agencies, running influencer campaigns, but as a creator to help kind of guide other creators to becoming their best self or whatever it is, you know, because being a creator can be really challenging and it can be really frustrating. It can make you want to quit a lot of times, but it's also one of the best creative outlets and it can be really rewarding. And it's not just about the money, <laughs> you know, that's the money is the thing that comes last or it should come last. So if it's something that you're passionate about, that's the kind of thing that I want to help other people. So, um, I don't know, living with my dog and just, you know, living the high life, but <laughs> oh, and my cat too, she can come too. Um, she can come too. If she wants, you know, like cats don't, you have to decide where they go. You know, you can't force She's a cat. It. Maybe in two and a half years from now, when you're halfway through, you know, be like, hmm, I might want to feel different things. Yeah. And and, and that's okay. That's the yeah. thing. Like, you don't have to be on one path. You, you, you don't have to do anything, which is like kind of a aha moment sometimes when you think about it. You don't have to do anything. So when you come, when it comes down to it, try to find the thing that makes you light up the most and that sounds super cheesy and super like you know woo wooey but honestly like that is what it's about it's not about the job titles right it's not about how many clients you have or how many clients you have in the deck you know that you can show new clients um it's about what lights you up the most so yeah it's true it's true um yes i've been on like all different sides of you know, the professional journey, I I was surprised by what I enjoyed the most. Um, mm-hmm. But like you said, like you sort of have to go through it all <laughs> to sometimes figure it out. I had a very prescribed idea of what success looked like to me. And then I got there and I was like, I'm not that content at all. Yeah. About it doesn't this. feel like what I thought it would feel like. And then you exactly. start chasing that feeling instead and understanding that that's what you're looking for versus the job title or the, you know, working 80 hours a week or whatever it is. The whole thing. And I also think that part of that is just, it's like age and maturity and experience. And like, I'm oh, ex- yeah. like, I think my, like my thirties, I don't know how you feel, but like, 
thirties are such a, an incredible decade to live through. Um, I'm like excited to be in my forties. I'm like, if my thirties were so much better than my twenties, imagine what my forties are going to be like. But Honestly, thirties, if you're listening to this and you're in your twenties, please know that thirties are so much better. So if you're having a tough time, if you're discouraged, if you're like, this is as good as it gets. No girl, this is not as good as it gets. It will get so much better. <laughs> it actually really, truly does. Um, it was it was such a pleasure to chat with you today. Courtney is super involved in WIM and she like, I don't know, I find I can tell that you're a writer. You know why? And I didn't I didn't necessarily know that, but I would be like, she's an incredible writer. Whenever you're you comment on things or you engage on posts and stuff, like I'm engaged with your comment. Like I'm always Aww, I notice I truly, truly do. I'm like, she's so absolutely so articulate and you're always using like emojis and like I don't know, like there's just like I, I, <laughs> I all the emojis, I, I can't help it. <laughs> I, I love it though. And I, I notice you and I, I hear your voice. And I think that also as a woman, you know, right? Like it's it's incredible to to be able to express yourself so well. Um my yeah. mom would be so proud to hear that. So <laughs> she's also a writer. So yeah. And I think I, that the, the storytelling on Rambo's page helps, is, of course, all the emojis. So all that's, the emojis. Um, very kind to say thank you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I noticed it. And so, like, look, I think that um I look forward to more of our members getting to know you because again, I, I'm extra impressed um as I've learned how you know you're you've got such a wide variety of experience, both on the creative side, the influencer marketing side, you're freelancing, you've worked for agencies, like you've really done so much. Um, and those are the people in my eyes that are like the most successful because they can empathize, they can relate, um, and they just think more broadly. So you are that person to me. So if people who are <laughs> a thousand percent, I can go on and on, honestly, I was really excited to have you on today and just to get to know you better. Aww. And like, chat and like learn from you so i'm thinking right back you. at you so um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun thank you so uh, much for having me thousand percent and so for people who are tuning in though and want to get in touch with you what would you say is the best way for them to reach out probably on my instagram um i'm at courtney canfield just how it sounds um or you can even follow my dog um at rambo the puppy but um yeah if you want to get in touch with me and talk about anything that you heard here or just commiserate over freelancing or whatever it is um you can reach out to me on instagram um i also have my email in there um and linkedin if you need to connect with me more professionally so <laughs> perfect but no need like no. she's professional personable the whole thing so no need <laughs> stuffy if you're not um, yeah. we'll, link, we'll link all of that in the show notes of course Courtney thank you again so so much for being on today you're amazing oh, thank you this has been so much fun thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed this episode we gotta have you back check out our website for more ways to get involved including all the information you need about joining our collective you can check out all the information at iamwim.com that's I am Wim, double I and if you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review, a rating. But the most important thing that we could ask you to do is to share this podcast. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Tune in next week. <laughs>